Hello and welcome to Timeless Truths, a sermon podcast from St. Mark Ministries in Greater Green Bay, Wisconsin. This week we continue our series, Looking Back to Have a Better Future. In episode 30, let's join Pastor Ben Workentine as we learn how making a difference makes a difference. So open up your heart, open up your Bible, and let's dig in to these timeless truths. Depending on what survey you look at, as many as 86% of Gen Z aspires to be a social media influencer someday. And is it any wonder why? Look, at these are just the top TikTok influencers. Between them, 40.6 million followers. If you take the top influencers across all social media, there are 2.4 billion people, that's billion with a B, billion people who follow the top six influencers. But it's not just Gen Z who have heroes and voices who speak directly into their lives. Of the top-selling memoirs today, they are are about Matthew McConaughey, Michelle Obama, and Elton John, a man in his 50s, a woman in her 60s, and a man in his 70s. The top downloaded podcast for four years running is by Joe Rogan. Each of us have voices who influence us. People who are in our orbit, who get us to think certain ways, who inspire us, who call us to action, who influence us. Our thoughts and our actions. And I wonder if the old adage has ever been more true, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. that's never been on display more than in the life of King Rehoboam, an ancient king in ancient Israel, a name we don't often hear about. Maybe this is the first time you've ever heard of him, in fact. But in his life, we see very clearly the power of influence. And we're going to be forced to ask the question, Who influences us? Who speaks into us? Who orbits us? Because there is a lot at stake. And some of you find yourself at a very similar position as Rehoboam. Or at least the same kind of transition. See, where we're going to be reading, he's transitioning from the son of the king, the prince, to the king. And maybe you're in a time of transition yourself. Maybe you're looking ahead to your final semester at school before you change schools, go off to college or go to high school. Maybe you just started a new job. Maybe you just moved. And you've got to ask the question, who's going to influence you? Are you going to fall into the trap of Rehoboam? Or are you going to choose something else? That's where Rehoboam's story is so powerful. But before we get into the story, we've got to talk a few names and a few places. Some history and geography. Otherwise, it's going to feel like a completely foreign land. We've been talking throughout this series, looking back to have a better future, about the family line of David. Here's that family tree. If you're trying to recall all who are in it. It starts with David, then his son Solomon became king after him, and then his son, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. We've talked about other kings, Josiah and Ahab and lots of other people, but they're further down or outside this family tree. The first three, or the three of the four first kings in Israel fall were in this family line. 
And in that transition from between Solomon's death and Rehoboam's coronation, the entire nation gathers. We're going to hear about a man named Jeroboam, not related to Rehoboam in any way. Jeroboam had led a revolt under King Solomon. That revolt had failed, and so he had fled to Egypt to get away from King Solomon out from underneath his power. You see the map here. He had flown to, he had been exiled to the far uh, bottom left-hand corner there into Egypt, but now he was coming back together with all the people to the city of Shechem, right there in the middle, geographic middle of the entire nation. That's the backstory. Now, for the actual story, this is from 1 Kings chapter 12. If you've got your Bible, your Pew Bible or Bible app open, follow along. We're going to be reading the first, first third of this chapter. 1 Kings chapter 12, follow along with me. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone there to make him king. When Jeroboam, son of Nabat, heard this, he was still in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon, he returned from Egypt. So they sent for Jeroboam, and he and the whole assembly of Israel went to Rehoboam and said, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but now lighten the harsh labor and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. Solomon was a wise king. He was a wealthy king. He was an expensive king. 300 wives, 700 concubines, and then all their families. 550 bureaucrats to oversee the function of the entire nation. 30,000 conscripted workers. That was the workforce. That was the support that Solomon taxed his nation to support. It was expensive. And so the people, when there was a change in power, they asked, they begged, lighten the yoke. Do not come down on us as heavy as your father did. It was an important decision that Rehoboam would have to weigh. Verse 5. Rehoboam answered, Go away for three days and then come back to me. So the people went away. This is a test of leadership right at the outset. What would he do? Would he double down? Would he make the yoke even heavier? Would he relent? He wanted some time to think about it, which was smart. This was not the kind of decision you make lightly or alone. So he sought counsel. Verse 6. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders who had served his father Solomon during his lifetime. How would you advise me to answer these people? He asked. They replied, If today you will be a servant to these people and serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your servants. This from the advisors who had advised his father. There were men trusted by Solomon, advising Solomon. And assuming that they had given the same advice to Rehoboam as they had given to Solomon, Obviously, they had been ignored by Solomon. Rehoboam went to them and asked, What do you think? What should I say? If you would just listen to them, these advisors said. If you would have mercy, if you would relent, if you would be kind to them, these people will give you everything. They'll be fully committed to you. They'll be loyal to you. They'll give you their hearts. Just go easy on them. It was good advice. Who do you take advice from? 
Because there are some big decisions out there, bigger decisions than you should make on your own. Too big, too important to not have a sounding board. Maybe for you that's a, a parent, friend, a mentor, someone you bounce ideas off of. Rehoboam displayed a significant amount of wisdom by going and asking for advice from others. This was a good move on his part. Unfortunately, that's as far as the wisdom for Rehoboam went. Here's what happens next. But Rehoboam rejected the advice the elders gave him and consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving him. He asked them, what is your advice? How should we answer these people who say to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? He got one set of advice that he didn't like. So he went looking for other advice. He went to his buddies, the, the guys that he grew up with. He was hoping they would give him advice that synced up with what he already had chosen to do. Now, getting multiple options is a good move, right? Ask a, a bunch of people to ask, what is option A, what is option B, what is option C? Laying them all out and understanding the pros and cons of each of them, that's really smart, but that's not what Rehoboam was doing. We get this insight where the author says, Rehoboam rejected the advice of his elders. He wasn't looking for a plurality of decisions, of options. He was looking for somebody to agree with him. And he found him. Found agreement among his buddies. And that's the advice he took, the advice he liked. Here's how that went. The young men who had grown up with him replied, These people have said to you, Your father put a heavy yoke on us, but make our yoke lighter. Now tell them, My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Whoa, that's pretty extreme. Certainly Rehoboam's not going to take that advice, right? Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to Rehoboam, as the king had said, come back to me in three days. The king answered the people harshly, rejecting the advice given him by the elders. He followed the advice of the young men and said, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord to fulfill the word the Lord had spoken to Jeroboam, son of Nabat, through Ahijah the Shilonite. It's not hard to figure out what the people did. They revolted. They ran away. And God had seen it. God knew that it was coming, so he had set the deck, so to speak. He had prepared in advance Jeroboam to lead that splinter group, that revolutionary group. The result of a civil war. And it gets bad fast. The nation splits just like that. And if you were to read the rest of the history, you would see that it goes from bad to worse as time went on. Verse 16, the last part of the section we'll read. When all Israel saw the king refused to listen to them, they answered the king, What share do we have in David? What part in Jesse's son? To your tents, Israel. Look after your own house, David. So the Israelites went home. But as for the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah, Rehoboam still ruled over them. A civil war bloomed. A division. The northern ten tribes, states, kind of like states, 
Northern ten tribes broke off, leaving the two southern tribes, the two southern states, on their own. One kingdom became two. United became divided. And it began this slow decline. Northern ten tribes would be conquered and ruled. Bad king after bad king after bad king. It would be some six centuries later, and they would be sent off into exile and lost to the pages of history, never to be seen again. But the southern kingdom didn't do much better. They would be conquered and freed, exiled and returned, decimated and restored over and over and over and over again until seven centuries later when they'd be exiled and they would not return home for a long time. All of that heartbreak, all of that destruction, all that death traces its roots right back here to Rehoboam who refused wisdom, who surrounded himself with voices that pulled out of him the worst parts of him. Maybe you know people like that. Who surround themselves with voices that egg them on, that bait them, that pull out the most childish, the most thoughtless, the most destructive, the the worst parts of themselves. Where have you landed in that question of who surrounds you? What voices do you listen to? Because Rehoboam proves that the wrong voice, the wrong voices, have the power to destroy the kingdom. What voices? What lives are around you? Because it's not just what people say, it's who they are. Are they the kind of people you want to emulate? I'm not talking about what kind of car they drive, what kind of home they live in, where they vacation, or where, what their career trajectory has gone on. I'm talking about their character. Is their character worth emulating? Do they have the integrity that you want to have? Do they have the poise under pressure? Do they have a gentleness that turns away anger? Humility that pulls people in? How do they handle difficult days and disappointment? Do they live their lives in light of a Savior honoring their Creator and all that is good? The story of Rehoboam is a warning tale to all who would have friends, who would have influences. So you and I have pursued for too long too many voices that push us to self-destruction, self-worship. Voices that tell you to pursue what's in your heart or worship at the altar of self-fulfillment, or mental health, or any number of pleasures and desires. And each of those voices are a dead end. Rehoboam didn't realize that until too late. Will you realize it? What are the voices you should be listening to? For us to understand that, we have to back up in Rehoboam's story just a little bit. You remember a minute ago I showed you that family tree. David, Solomon, Rehoboam. The nation of Israel had looked to those three men with hope, with anticipation, with excitement. They expected each of those men, each time a new king came to the throne, they hoped that they would be a savior. And things turned out otherwise. 
because each of them were flawed, broken, sinful human beings. We see that so clearly, so poignantly in the life of Rahoboam. Everybody comes to Shechem, not because they feel defeated or disappointed or despairing. They came because they were excited, because they were hopeful that maybe God would restore through Rahoboam something that God's people had lost. To see, Solomon had brought them wealth, and they knew it to be a dead end. Maybe Rehoboam would restore the moral integrity, would restore the people's hearts to pursue the Lord of hosts. But we know from reading the story that they walked away disappointed. Hopes dashed. See, they needed a king. But they needed a different king. They they, They looked for somebody from the line of David, but they needed someone who was big enough to be David's Lord as well. And that king would come, just not right away. A descendant of David, generations later, except born in a stable, not a palace. A king who would not pursue his own wealth, had no aspirations to an earthly throne, had no army to command. A king who came to deliver what no king had ever brought to his people, complete and full peace. A king who, brought, who, who offered the gift that no influencer could possibly give. Hope and joy. A king who would bow his head to the authorities of his day. Who would go with the guards who came to arrest him would submit himself to their torture, subject himself to their execution. He would look every inch of failure until three days after his death certificate was signed when he stepped out of his own tomb, victorious. But not just a victory, a promise. He says to himself, he says, because I live, you also will live. See, we've followed too many voices that have said, try harder, do more, work more, work better. Where have those voices left you? If you really want to be free, you've got to find a different influence, a Savior, a voice that calls you to true and lasting peace. What does that voice sound like? Pastor Parlow said it so well last week. He talked about the two messages related to this. And voice says, you've listened to too many voices that have told you what you want to hear, what makes you feel good, what gives you something to do as if it's yours to earn. And when you pursue those voices, it's sinful. And it breaks our relationship. But that voice also says, I've come to forgive sins clear the table and to be your king so that you might know real freedom. He came to befriend sinners, not like any influencers. He wasn't trying to sell a course or a product. He came to save. He came to rescue. He came to heal. You follow dead-end voices long enough. It's time to follow one that gives life 
And as you hear his voice again and again, as it comes out clear through his word, through his scripture, whether you're gathered here or in small groups or by yourself, just you and the Holy Spirit, that voice, the more you listen to it, allows you to filter out the other voices. They're the voices that lead you down paths of self-destruction and self-hate and, and sinfulness. Allows you to hear instead voices that point you in the same direction, point you to the same forgiveness, the same freedom, the same hope. But I'll tell you, those voices rarely have the numbers that other influencers have. They're not going to have 2.4 billion followers. They don't influence a lot of people. They influence people a lot. One Maybe two, maybe three people. Oftentimes they're solo voices, quiet voices. But they're the ones that point you to your king. And if, if you surround yourself with those kinds of voices, when you have those kinds of friends, your future is bright. Filled with things you could never imagine. Show me those kinds of friends, and I'll show you a bright future, not just this one, but your eternal future. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Timeless Truths. Whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, we're glad you could join us. For more information or to support the work of St. Mark Ministries, check out our website at stmarkministries.com. And be sure to tune in next episode as we continue our series, His Final Steps. And remember, you matter and you are loved.